Ew. Uh, welcome back to Radio Gripe, uh, the weekly discussion podcast where we get into all manner of trouble. Uh, I am uh, one of your hosts. My name is Joe. I'm Jen. Thanks for joining us. I haven't gotten into trouble yet, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's like that meme that you see, you know, white folks be all like, hey, we're, we're all up into trouble, but really they're just all at Tanner's house. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah welcome, welcome to welcome to Tanner's welcome house. Welcome to Tanner's house. She gets pretty wild. <laughs> it's a Saturday night at Tanner's house, uh, which y'all haven't been over in a Saturday night for a while. We haven't opened the doors to the Saturday night uh, goings on here at the Gripe HQ. Uh, yeah, we're not doing our Sunday morning brunch show. We're doing our Saturday night drinky fun time show. I don't know how we used to do. That means we get real sloppy at about minute thirty. Oh, uh, yeah, sounds about right. So. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and sorry for what you're about to go through. No, I'm kidding. If you're listening on uh, Monday night on KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio, pop open a cold one and join us. If you're listening uh, Monday night on KBSR, Black Sparrow. So much better when you're drinking. Yeah, and stay tuned for the uh, JoJo Bone Show, which comes on after us Monday night. Uh, Somewhere after 10, our show ends uh, at some point around or after 10 o'clock p.m., but yeah, here we are. Um, let me go ahead and get this one out of the way because we know how it's going to go. Um, thanks for tuning in. The opinions that we're going to get into, the shit that we're going to talk, and everything that we're going to say is wholly ours. It is uh, does not reflect the opinions of KBSR or any of its members, any of its DJs. So um, you can get in touch with us directly, believe it or not. Uh, we have an email. It's uh, we're trying show at gmail.com. And we got an Instagram. It's Radio Gripe TX where you can uh, you know, stay tuned for all the latest shit and all the latest updates. And uh, yeah, hit us up, let us know what you think about the show. So we got a few things. Nothing too in-depth where we're taking it easy here, but uh, we've got some things to cover. What do you think we should do first? Well, uh, before we get into it, uh, I like to take a moment and check in with each other. Uh, talk about what's occupying our headspace this week. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first here. M- multivitamins. I'm over 40, and uh, I'm all about multivitamins. They're going to be my new big thing. Really? Yeah. Uh, by new being new big thing, I'm probably going to be into them for like a week, and then we're going to be you know, saddled with uh, any vitamin we could want for the foreseeable future. Did you get those good, good gummies? No. Oh, you, man, you're really cheating no, man, yourself. I got the chalky old stuff. Oh, I'm an no. adult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Don't I'm, do that to yourself. <clears throat> I, I am kidding. Uh, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that we're probably going to have the same thing. Uh, over the last week, we have watched Midnight Mass. Yeah. If y'all haven't checked out this uh, you know, miniseries on Netflix, it's totally worth it. It's the third annual Mike Flanagan project. Right. Uh, the guy that first brought you The Haunting of Hill House, which many of us enjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, is back at it again with a real winner, in my opinion. Yeah, um, Haunting of Blind Manor I didn't like as much. Uh, I just couldn't really sink my teeth into that one, my mental I, teeth. I enjoyed the love story. I liked the actors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just didn't it didn't touch me in a personal way, the, the way the first one did with its, you know, big focus on family trauma and alienation. Yeah, the first one, they kind of, they built it well, and whenever it finally kind of came home to that being one of the, the big drives of it, it really kind of tied it together. And uh, Haunting of Hill House was, I don't want to say a luminous work, uh, but it was, yeah, I feel like it stands alone, really, uh, as, as, a, as a piece, and it's really good. Now, I like haunted house stories to such a degree that I'll watch that genre even when I know it's not going to be good. I might not... You know, I might not finish a, I might I might not finish a a, a mediocre work like like a Winchester House, mm-hmm. but I'll watch oh, yeah, that one was... a little bit of it because they shot it there, and I like the, I sure. like the I like a house as a metaphor, yeah. a mind palace, if you will, mm-hmm. that holds all of our monsters, a monster palace, if you will, um, the mind as a monster palace, yeah. Um, so that's uh, with this new one, it was. Again, maybe a little slow going, and the first couple of episodes, they're just laying a little bit of groundwork. I think that Flanagan does a good job at doing some kind of slow burn stuff. Really, I think and if building, you're... building out a story and some characters. You may de- be dissatisfied if you're watching just for horror, but if you're looking to right. watch um, a, an effective drama that every now and then 
um, surprises you by becoming a horror story for mm-hmm. a few minutes. Well, you know, and that's one of the things. People that either like him or don't like him, uh, kind of a common thread, I feel like, is people feel like they can't pin his works down as horror. And some people say that that's a bad thing. And some people say that that's actually a really interesting thing. Disagree. Yeah. I think uh, all, all of my favorite... Uh, um, all of all of my favorites are genre benders. Yeah, I think that the understanding of horror, I mean, we, we need to admit that it's uh, broad and that what might be, you know, absolutely terrifying for you is commonplace for another person. And, you know, a lot of these things can, a lot of these things can depend on perspective. The fact that uh, this new project, Midnight Mass, deals with religion, specifically Catholicism, so deeply, that makes it a little bit more touchy and that makes people either feel included disincluded or targeted you know what i mean mm-hmm. and uh so it's kind of a touchy one and, and Flanag- mike flanagan himself has said that it's been the most uh, personal project that he's had so far yeah he was he was an altar boy mm-hmm. growing up yeah and uh i mean we can admit it without trying to call anybody out here catholicism fucking wow <laughs> like it's it's up, one of the wildest uh branches of, of christianity i grew up in a catholic Brands. community um but that was not something that i uh was really a part of all the other kids would hang out at school talking about what wild shit happened in catechism swinging their crucifixes all cool yeah <laughs> their their rosaries twirling their rosaries around that's what yeah and I, you know, I'd attended a couple services, but I didn't know all the different chants, yeah. you know, it's all that old Latin shit. But I love a Catholic mass because it is so beautiful. I one time uh, I went into the uh, Trinity Church in uh, Manhattan, which I think is renamed. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's one of the oldest churches in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's a very old fucking old gothic building and it's massive, you know, and it's it. got the huge stained glass windows and huge organs. And, and they put candles everywhere. Yeah. They put incense everywhere. It's gorgeous. We walked in at a random time. There wasn't a large service being held. So there's just a few people here and there, but just the, uh, the fucking grandiosity or whatever of the scene of, you know, the church is like, it really says a lot about Catholicism insofar as it's aesthetic and and what it's bringing to the table for a lot of the, uh, you know, just a lot of the bells and whistles and how they represent themselves, uh, where everything is like so serious and sober all the time. And, and you're there's meant so to much feel symbolism and imagery. Humbled and dwarfed by yeah. the the glory of God when you walk in there, you're meant to made it be made to feel small. Yeah, and it's understandable why there was a fucking Reformation. Why there's yeah, exactly <laughs> now I can you agree know? with a lot of the points yeah. of the Reformation, but style wise. I mean, it's style wise, they fucking got it. They got it. We know that Catholics uh, fucking were done there. And then it's kind of like, eh, the whole thing is a little too oppressive. And so there were branches off. Um, we'll say. I mean, you want if you, to, if you ask me if I want to attend a cathedral service where we're going to be chanting in unison uh, under the glow of candles. Sounds right. Or if I want to go to a rec center and listen to a guy play acoustic guitar oh, wow. while he just sort of sums up the Bible yeah. in, re- in little relatable anecdotes. I mean, I think you can guess which one I'd prefer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and we're, we're both athe- atheists and um, it is a thing where in talking about a uh, midnight mass and they're, I guess not full protagonist. Uh, I guess he's somewhere between antagonist and protagonist. This guy, uh, Hamish Linklater, that plays uh, the priest. The he's, priest. He is not the protagonist. No, but I feel like he's most certainly a central character, and I feel like I feel like it's a split protagonist ship, right? Mm. It's we can get into that like in another time. But uh, Hamish Linklater really carries a lot. He's an important and integral role. I mean, we do and, see uh, reality through his eyes multiple times. So. And he carries this, um, yeah, this kind of like fire and brimstone, like apocalyptic tone. Uh, but he's that's kind of filtered through the guitar-toting youth pastor who's like just kind of a cool upfront person. You yeah, know what I mean? It's a it's, wonderful duality. Yeah, he's, uh, he really knocked that out of the park with that role. A lot of good actors, uh, but... Yeah, Linklater fucking killed it. He killed it. Yeah, uh, good acting all around. Uh, all of the characters were really good. And the take overall 
of uh, insofar as how it's representing religion and so far as what the real story is. Uh, I could, I could see that being something that's actually not offensive to Christians. No, I don't think maybe. so. And I mean, there's, there's I think if two, anything, there's different themes here, like faith first dogma. Sure. Um, and then also, uh, is substance abuse and identity, um, and, mm-hmm. and redemption. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and we've seen some of those, uh, when it, when it comes to substance abuse, that one's popped up in a few of this guy's works. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh well look let it be known that we uh really stand behind this project and if y'all are looking for something a little bit more of a drama thinker piece uh for this uh spooky season that we're getting into fucking high recommendation on midnight mass for me uh before we get into uh i guess like the more serious uh aspects of the show i do want to just give one quick good little piece of news that's just a little fun but it's still not like a headspace thing. Uh, just heard about it today. Uh, Snow the product, friend of the pod, uh, was uh, <laughs> just given a Grammy nomination uh, for I, I think like best uh, Latin song or R and B Latin R and B. I didn't quite see it. Oh, I thought she was a uh, rapper. Yeah, uh, she is, and that's uh, if you know these days, uh, rap, hip hop, and R and B are all kind of like it's kind of an amalgam soup a lot of times and you'll pull a piece out and you'll be like oh this is rap and not r&b but you know sometimes and also snow the product does a lot of stuff and she's actually the song that's nominated was with this argentinian uh, producer biz rap um who works with a whole lot of people but yeah and i'm i'm stoked for that whether she gets it or not i think that the fact that uh somebody who's been really fiercely independent and has made no compromises to the industry and has been doing everything all on their own to be recognized uh for something like the grammys fuck the grammys right but still like that's an acknowledgement the of the work that she's been putting in and how, how skilled she is got to get into the real stuff um so here we go uh there's been several things in the news and we're just going to kind of like touch on them briefly and then uh see what we'll kind of like feel out how we're going to wrap up the show because we because uh, we've got a few things maybe uh one thing that i want to mention is uh on the last episode that we did where we talked about the satanic temple uh quite a bit um as that's moved along i've talked with a few people and i do want to 
A, throw out a clarification that I think that I said that the people that are getting uh, these slap suits from them were chapter heads. Uh, that's not necessarily true. Um, they were kind of like intermediaries. Uh, they were they were part of the temple and everything else. But uh, what had come about in their particular instance didn't didn't relate to the uh, uh, fascist and anti-Semitic history of the temple or its finances necessarily. It was more specifically um, some allegations about uh, you know sexual uh, abuse and, and assault or coercion by one of the actual chapter heads. Oh, okay. uh, and this was from, I want to say, Washington. And um, so they were raising concerns more over that. And uh, yeah, the Satanic Temple was shutting the whole thing down and booting people out that had anything to say about it. And yeah, they, they hushed up this whole thing about you know, one, of, one of their higher ups uh, being a sexual predator. I'm not trying to so yuck anyone's yum over here, but I don't understand why we have to always be mixing ritual um you know just fuck the way you want to fuck without preying on people well that's the thing and i was Here's just the listening I to the, the history of the moonies um you know speaking okay. of speaking of uh well you said washington all right speaking of dc and <laughs> i get yeah. i get so sick of this kinky shit that people do once they declare themselves to be in charge of other people i guess it's not that much sure. different than being well, a ceo or something i think that that relates to something else i think this is more about people who have uh power complexes and then once they start getting power they they play out these fucking things at the expense of other people you know what i mean and i think that that's something that is regardless of creed and status and a lot of things but whenever you get power through either financial means or uh social hierarchy means or whatever it's going to be there are people who always wish to exploit it and it doesn't really matter one way or the other um i want to say that on that episode too I had maybe kind of a scoffing tone at a lot of times, and it was because I was pissed off mainly at the Satanic Temple and Lucian Greaves and the, the, the shitty deception of it all. I want to make sure to anybody that was listening, at one point I even said, in reference to some people, I said, otherwise intelligent people. <laughs> and I don't mean to say that anybody is unintelligent or anything for being aligned with uh, Satanism in general. Um I believe in uh, the freedom of religion and freedom of religious expression, so long as you understand that your religious freedom ends where other people's liberties and rights begin. Which is sort of the point of is the Satanic Temple. Is entirely the fucking point. Well, it should be, right? But they have actually exhibited otherwise on several counts. And that is more what I'm going against. And I want to make sure that I'm not talking down or talking shit on people that are not responsible for the things that I am being angry about yeah well this you is know what just, i mean this is just new this was new information that you were bringing to my attention i was worked up over it yeah you know and everything else and we'll kind of see how that goes i'm gonna i'm gonna revisit it uh in the near future with the a little bit more information and everything else because i think that it is an important thing here's here's my point i am me ideologically i'm kind of an anti-fascist first anti-capitalist second basically <laughs> i whenever i see those things i don't make space for those people within my ranks and within uh my circles mm -hmm. and so if i see somebody who is exhibiting those things in spaces where i would normally feel a kinship to people mm -hmm. i get i get worked up over that yeah. make make no space for fascists yeah. is is my thing and that's more what i'm pissed off about hey hell satan do right, your thing right, right. i'm an hell atheist satan. it's not what i'm gonna do of course of course hell satan of course hell satan but anyway, we'll get back to the Satanic Temple and all their fuckery and everything else uh, again in the near future. And if uh, if you heard about it and you got anything to say about it again, we're trying to show at gmail.com. Anyhow. Yeah, uh, anyone who is joining us, uh, um, uh, who's been introduced to our show uh, via... Uh, Evergreen Memes for Queer Satanic Fiends on Facebook. Yeah, uh, well... These are... Yeah. Welcome. And uh, we'd, we'd love to, uh, to air your feedback. Um, uh, hit us up at that email yeah or on the gram on the gram so some of the things that we've been seeing uh, around the world should we start local let's start local you had even mentioned to me uh what you've been seeing around austin lately and i saw some of this in the news about the uh the sweeps and the clearing out of um areas with unhoused people homeless encampments yeah uh, 
just started to disappear overnight. It's just, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of wild when you, when you come by the next day and everything is completely cleared out. These, these people have been cleared out like so much human detritus. Mm. And, uh, I'm like, I'm wondering how much warning they had. Was there like a klaxon that was right sounding to let them know that the, the end is nigh. I was looking at nearby patches of trees. I don't know if some people were able to retain their, their stuff, their tents and everything and make their way into those uh, woody patches where they cannot be seen. Therefore, problem solved. Which is, I guess is the approach. I'm sure I, I doubt there were uh, klaxons necessarily, but I'm sure there were bullhorns and uh, there were aggressive voices, uh, you know, probably giving people a small amount of time to clear out. Um, yeah, I had heard and I had seen I pictures of... I imagine they showed of, up with a big dump truck. And yeah, I saw throwing. I saw pictures of uh, the area where I-35 is elevated in downtown. Mm-hmm. And they had put in that uh, quote-unquote artwork of the portal with all the blue lights on the side of the freeway. You know you know what I'm talking about on the 35 there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that area right under there, yeah, was was fairly populated. And they I saw a lot of uh, dump trucks and various pieces of heavy machinery and stuff kind of... T- doing away with uh uh everybody so uh there you go that's been happening also you know i mean obviously across the nation i think that we've said on the past handful of episodes when it's been happening in other cities uh denver and la has been uh, experiencing a lot of it uh chicago kind of everywhere and now also here in austin yeah this an absolute fucking refusal on the the cities to have any kind of like humanitarian efforts uh which we've also seen uh we can just straight transition here into what's happening has been happening at the border with a lot of the uh haitian immigrants that have been approaching and getting corralled uh by fucking straight cowboys look i know how things go (laughs) i know you got horses it's the fucking west horses are fun horses in and of themselves are not a problem uh, there are also, obviously, there are a lot of claims that's in, about... That's interesting because they've come in response to this negative publicity. They've come out and said that the... Everybody's uh, anti-horse now. ...will no longer be mounted. Yeah, they will no longer... Yeah, they will no longer have horses on horses anymore. But yeah, as you say, <laughs> horses are not um, in and of themselves the problem. Everybody loves a Canadian I, Mountie. Who I will doesn't? say, I will say this, like, if you want to go deep on it, yeah, I don't think that you should conscript animals to law enforcement and warfare. I'll say that, mm. but point is, is that uh, there's some good dogs just looking for a job, and if it's sniffing out bombs, dogs ain't looking for they're willing jobs. to put their lives on the line for for God and country. Yeah, well, my point is, is that uh, it has been a big fucking scene. Obviously, Biden is like uh, really floundering right now with uh, some really poor responses to everything mm. between Afghanistan and this border thing. Uh, the fucking infrastructure bill and like the the government mm-hmm. shutdown mm-hmm. and everything else, oh, like yeah, that shutdown. Uh, it is showing. I mean, it's showing that our system is fucking falling apart. A, but it's also showing that nobody is giving him the benefit of doubt and working with him when it comes to uh, partisanship. You know, uh, something that we didn't mention a couple of weeks ago was um, AOC at the Met Gala, and we didn't mention it because basically we're not trying to fucking pile on. You know what I mean? There's not a reason. <laughs> AOC has been having plenty of fucking criticism her entire fucking uh, congressional career so far. Um, but I do think that it is worth saying something about uh, how tone deaf that was and about how it doesn't really capture uh, the needs. It, like, if anything, it commercializes the conversation instead of addressing it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um so I'm not. I'm not. Trying. I mean, maybe she was just bringing her message directly to Here's the, the attendees of the of the of the Met Gala because they are. She felt like she was well really trying people. to be representative and everything, but it didn't. It didn't come off well enough. And also, there it was did not thing, come off great. <laughs> there was also a thing. If you want to take away that side of it, and you want to just talk about her career, around a week after that. Um, there was a vote that was going through about the funding for uh, Israel's Iron Dome uh, security. Do you know much about this? Nope. So uh, sometime back, uh, a military defense strategy of basically kind of rocket intervention 
is that is the Iron Dome defense, and that is how Israel fires rockets uh, into the Gaza Strip and nearby territories. Mm -hmm. That is the Iron Dome, and it has been funded by America for many years. Uh, so a spending bill came up to fund Iron Dome again, and there needs to be a conversation about our support of the fucking genocide of Palestinians. You can support... Yeah, good luck Jews with that. Without fucking needing to support fucking warmongering dictators like have been running the state of Israel. So that's not been happening. And so with AOC, apparently she did want to vote no on the spending bill because she does she not voted, support what, she voted presence. what it is being for. But also within her district, she has to face that uh, a, a fair amount of her constituents are very pro Israel. And so she instead voted present and then apparently kind of like broke into tears later. And I'm like, okay, maybe you're so pained about it that you actually broke into tears. But at the same time, I'm just like, why didn't you fucking do the thing? Why didn't you fucking actually vote your conscience if you knew it was going to be a pointless fucking gesture anyway? If you know that what you truly want is not going to happen. Yeah. Why don't you actually fucking speak up? Tears don't. Um, tears don't do shit. They don't do shit. Yeah. Tears are like thoughts and prayers in, in that way. Yeah, for sure. The, um, God, was it Elizabeth Warren? Uh, somebody got, who had just suggested little... that uh, financial protest, like boycotting a certain company like Sabra Hummus, uh, is one effective way to to get to some type of policy change, or at least um, generate conversation. Man, I and fucking was hate- basically accused of being a fucking terrorist. Yo, man, well, you don't need to put the fucking onus of that on us, the taxpayers and consumers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how is that our fucking... How, how are you seriously telling me that that's just like pollution telling us to not use straws? Like, it's our fucking fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pollution. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. Telling me to not fucking buy Sabra Hummus because they are they support Israeli expansion, which is true. Don't buy Sabra no, I'm Hummus. Just saying Make it's your a, I'm just saying hummus. it's a conversation about um, is it moral to initiate a boycott? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Here's another thing that I, again, don't have a lot of details, but have you caught about all the fucking strikes that have been happening? There's been strikes left and right, and a lot of concessions are typically being made. Um, NPR didn't have to face a strike. They, years back, they had nothing for parental leave. And as of like a year or two ago, they were like, okay, you can, you know, have uh, so many hours of parental leave. And they just now talked with uh, their union and made a new contract without even needing to have a disagreement and a strike. They've given uh, something like 20 days mm -hmm. of, uh, they've like upped parental leave uh, for all their NPR Good, employees. I should hope so. As because somebody who has donated to NPR. We're probably fucking looking around and seeing strikes like across the nation and also within entertainment. The uh, It's IAASF or something. There's some kind of like a entertainment organization which is supposed to be representative uh yeah there's been strikes and boycotts left and right within within anywhere that's got a union we live in texas where unions aren't really a thing but yeah, yeah if you try to form a union in texas you will be killed you will be fucking convicted of a felony likely and fucking hanged until dead 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 <laughs> is what i would imagine happening and then uh, they'll leave your body just sort of dangling <laughs> there for a couple of weeks welcome to taylor look at this asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't buy they don't buy the uh redneck uh you know commentary that like that was all a union thing they're like nope jeff foxworthy made that whole thing up and boy i love jeff foxworthy don't tell me that redneck is a commie thing. Why are we? Because we're drinking a Saturday picking night. Picking on our only listeners right Ooh, now. Jeff Foxworthy. Texans. Mm. Hey man, Taylorites. There's plenty, there's plenty of there's plenty of Texans that can laugh both ways. By the way, today, earlier today, there was a women's march, marches all across the nation. Uh, there in Texas, uh, in Austin too. And several of our regulars at the coffee shop, we had a slow morning because apparently a lot of our regulars were in Austin at the fucking yeah. women's march. Uh, right on. So right on. fine, yeah, we cool. We had a slow oh, morning because our, our people were doing better things. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's been a while, two weeks. It's weird to kind of summarize it up in the way that we're doing, 
but also it is too much to take any deep dives into anything. Well, um, yeah, we're not going to do any deep dives. I did want to bring up on the note of the Women's March on the Capitol uh, in um, uh, downtown Austin. There have been two lawsuits filed against a Dr. Braid uh, who wrote an op-ed for uh, – in reference to the Texas abortion ban, um, uh, SB eight, I think that yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, which which allows private citizens uh, from anywhere it's, uh, it's to, a to uh, it's a bounty program uh, open to the public. Yeah, yeah, it's hunting season. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been waiting to see these lawsuits roll in and have their day in court and see what that looks like, and. The two ones that we're starting with are kind of interesting and unique. Coincidentally, they're both former lawyers. One of them is, uh, well, let me back up for a second. So Dr. Braid uh, had written an op-ed published in the Washington Post, which I've only seen excerpts of. Uh, I think I left my my subscription lapse, I guess, to the Washington Post, but um, had basically said yes. I, I performed an abortion. It's within the first trimester, mm-hmm. uh, but it's illegal uh, now in the state of Texas. Essentially, I had to uh, do what my pro- provide the best care possible and do what my conscience told me was right mm-hmm. and provide that standard of care. That's my duty as a doctor to my patient. Um, this is a guy who was around, you know, working in a hospital. Uh, the year before Roe v. Wade was passed and saw a lot of admissions of women that had been brutalized and butchered by, um, you know, back alley abortionists. Right. Watch people go septic and, and bleed out and doesn't want to repeat that, obviously. So essentially confessed, uh, sort of for- forcing the issue. One of the lawsuits has been filed by a disbarred former attorney who is currently serving... Uh, he's in his 12th year of a 15-year sentence in an Arkansas prison. The way he put it was, uh, hey, if someone's going to if someone's gonna make that $10,000, it might as well be Oscar. Uh, <laughs> uh, referring to himself in the third person. He also said that he's, <laughs> he's not uh, anti-choice, anti-abortion, but he's looking to get that money, you know? Sure. Okay. Uh, and it also said in an no. interview that he wants to confront what he thinks is ultimately going to end up being an illegal, uh, you know, legal maneuver. Right. Well, it's uh, I think you had told me a little bit about this and it's interesting. I didn't get it at first, but I guess like the larger idea is to actually see the steps and process and how it plays out in a court so that whenever it starts realist- realistically coming into court for a lot of people, we want to have an understanding on what it's going to happen and how a defense can best be prepared uh, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's what Oscar Stilly is trying to do. Um, but the second former lawyer, Felipe Gomez of Chicago, has also filed a lawsuit against Braid. Uh, but his lawsuit asks He's not asking for financial recompense or damages. Uh, He's asking for the Texas law to be declared unconstitutional. The plaintiff alleges that defendant did not violate Roe v. Wade and the act is illegal as written and as applied here until Roe v. Wade is reversed or modified per Gomez's filing. He identifies himself as a pro-choice plaintiff. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um... So these are the first two lawsuits that have been filed Mm -hmm. uh, against Dr. Braid abortionist um who uh stands stands to be sued out of his cord uh as a as a result of sb8 hey beautiful bird i said digging her somber mood the fascists are some heavy dudes they don't really give a damn about life they just don't want a woman to control her body or have the right to choose but baby that ain't nothing they just want a male finger on the button because if you say war, they will send them to die by the score. Aborting mission should be your volition. But if Suda and Thomas have their way, you'll be standing in line unable to get welfare while they'll be out hunting and fishing. It has always been around. It will always have a niche. But they'll make it a privilege, not a right, accessible only to the rich. Hey, pro-lifers need to dig themselves because life don't stop after birth. And for a child born to the unprepared, it might even just get worse. The 
situation would surely change if they were to find themselves in it. Supporters of the H-bomb and firebombing clinics. What type of shit is that? Orwellian, in fact. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, would not the desire remain intact? Leaving young girls to risk their health. Doctors to botch and watch as they kill themselves. Now, I hate to sound macabre, but hey, isn't it my job to lay it on the masses and get them off their asses to fight against these fascists? So, whatever you decide, make that move with pride. Sid will be there and so will I. An insect till I die. Rhythms and sounds spinning around. Confrontations across the nation. Your block, my block, dreadlocks. What a shock. Land of the free, but not me. Hey everybody, this is Joe with a real quick station break for you. I just want to say thanks for listening to the show and thanks for listening to KBSR. Uh, you know how things go here. KBSR is fully independent, listener supported. Uh, we got a Patreon community that helps us keep everything going and you can go be a part of it. You can search for Black Sparrow Radio on Patreon, I think it is. Here's the easy thing I know to do. Go to blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and there are links on there to go straight to our Patreon. There's You can stream the radio 24-7 straight from that page. And it's got the schedule of all the different shows and news and updates on what's going on. Uh, yeah, that's kind of your one-stop shop, blacksparrowmusicparlor.com. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Trevor and the Mental State Fair. Thanks to Alex Cuervo. Thanks to Shannon, KBSR. And all of you listening uh, home and abroad. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get back into the show. So, something else that I wanted to mention, and again, I don't have a whole lot about this, but uh, maybe we can just kind of explore it a little bit. Thinking about this when we mentioned like the the Austin sweeps and we, we think about like uh, the unhoused and we think about the housing market here in Taylor, there's a Samsung plant that is planning to move in over the next few years. So everybody is a buzz over what's going to happen with the housing market. And how Not to mention it's all Disneyland, be. Texas. Right, guys? Right. It's apparently a rumor that's going around. Has been going around for a couple of years, I guess. That Disney, like Tesla, has decided to yeah. leave California and mm-hmm. come to yeah. Texas. So there's a thing that's been going on, though. Um, the term uh, that's being thrown around is iBuyers. And, and it's companies uh, like Zillow and various other companies that like exist online and kind of had this uh, amalgus all over the place. They don't have like a central HQ. They're web-based. And so they buy properties all over the place. The idea is that they buy a property that doesn't need heavy repairs. They might like slap up some paint or whatever and then sell it as quickly as they can. And they're counting on the market to have some small gains, right? And uh, so Zillow is actually one of the outliers where they're charging very, very little uh, on the home seller uh, as, as like a you know, part of it. They're, they're not doing commissions. Uh, a lot of the uh, costs are lower whenever you sell to an iBuyer like Zillow or some of these other companies like Knocker or whatever. There's a few of them. Hey, real quick, is anybody else getting pestered? Anybody that owns property that's listening around here in Taylor? Oh, yeah. With notes about wanting to buy your house from fucking 10-year-olds? Yeah, the handwriting would indicate that this is handwritten by a child, but in fact, it's just a font that has been printed. My father tells me I need a summer job, so I want to buy your house. <laughs> <laughs> no money down. Uh, yeah. Um, no, it's a, it is a thing that has led to, we're, we're seeing a trend now of companies that are coming up that are web-based. It's not the old school real estate market, right? Like Century 21, where they have a field office and they have people that man it and, and work the scene and work the location and do house showings. They don't have to do house showings. They don't have a staff. Uh, they're just a website 
and they'll just buy a contractor to kind of like fix it up and one person that comes in and like looks at it and says yeah cool we're good and to what's go. interesting is that um, something like zillow is also helping to set the market price uh, based on so, clicks and interest and what people say that they would be willing to pay to buy in that area and this is the thing what they're saying is uh because zillow is making fairly low money off of this there are other companies out there that are uh, i buyers that are charging more and doing just fine because they're they're having a more aggressive uh, you know profit model, which is common uh, here in America. But Zillow is actually going lower because they're trying to really establish a base. And uh, I saw a map that showed a lot of pins for everything that Zillow owns currently, and they're all over the fucking nation. And you see those clusters in areas like Austin, which is experiencing this crazy growth where if you buy a property and sit on it for six months, you're going to see a massive gain. You, you know, cannot buy um, a refrigerator box in Austin for under $500,000. For real. Uh, there is, and in, in reading about this, there is one thing that I want to bring up by this guy his last name is Garg, and he runs a company like this. And he's but actually I say Austin. I mean Central Austin, of course. Right. You can definitely buy on the margins, but you better come cash in hands. Uh, but this guy Garg, he's got some shit coming against him legally for like fraud and misappropriation of funds. So, mm. but he also has his own iBuyer business. But he's he's kind of talking about the whole system, and he's talking about larger companies like Zillow, like they're doing it wrong because of them charging so low. And he says they create both artificial surpluses and artificial deficiencies in housing supply. That means you have speculative behavior. Speculative behavior in property markets usually ends up negatively impacting homeowners and the people who finance houses. So here's a dude. It certainly seems like a conflict of interest. Here's a dude that kind of sounds like a crook who's like calling out the game. Mm -hmm. This is what it sounds like. Um, I was not even aware that Zillow was uh, in the the real estate businesses and that they them, they themselves are buying up property. And so mm-hmm. I saw a very uh, sarcastic man uh, explaining it. Very sarcastic man here on the scene. And let's talk about some what ifs. What if there was a company that everybody used, everybody used, everybody knew of to look for houses and everybody goes on there and searches for houses when they're bored and stuff. And so that company, they just sit back and they just collect all the data. They just know what zip code is looking at what zip code and how much those people can afford. Everyone's looking at this one zip code and everybody seems to be able to afford this certain amount. And let's say that billion dollar company uses that information to go into that zip code and start purchasing houses. So, they're paying cash. They don't. They don't need an appraisal. Why would they pay three forty for this thirty first home? Whenever they've only paid three hundred for these others. Well, what that just did is create a new comp. So when they go to sell these other thirty homes, that extra forty thousand dollars that you could say this one sold for three forty, just made them one point two million off that one neighbor because they know from their research how much people can afford in that zip code. I mean, like I say, like we're we're starting to talk about now, like end game capitalism, not late stage, but like end game capitalism, oh. and uh, that's okay. kind of and like because a lot of these companies, I buyers, they're using uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, and that's not always what it's supposed to be, especially when you're basically a company that's trying to flip a property, and they say, "Look, we're not trying to flip houses; we are literally just turning them over." And the idea is that they're trying to just kind of build a base that they have something to go on with how they, they know how to manage property in this new model. But it's, this is just like how we talked about fucking Facebook getting into debt collection. Do you fucking trust capitalists? You know what I mean? Whenever they have like a wild new idea about like, here's how we can do this and cut all these costs and blah, blah, blah. There's a, something that I didn't really get to look into but i caught it on a trillbilly workers party there's a type of loan essentially that you can get and this is a newer thing uh where you can buy property and defer the taxes for something like four to five years and if you know anything you know that buying a uh, a swath of land maybe a couple of blocks of you know shitty east side neighborhood and you don't pay any taxes on for four to five years. Meanwhile, in that four to five years, all kinds of fucking shit goes on to gentrify that shit. And then whenever taxes are due, 
you can sell that property and still make a fucking 150% profit even after paying off those taxes from four fucking years ago. Hmm. Like they're, they're calling it basically gentrification in a box because the way this loan is like set up, it allows people to spend less money and make big gains down the road. So long as you have like a calculated plan of redesigning a neighborhood. And uh, again, do you trust capitalism to redesign your neighborhood well you you know know what's fun and this is one of the things that you know when the pandemic started and society began to to shift and change people that are not working class or not service uh start working from home so the roads are a lot clearer which is Mm -hmm. cool less traffic and it suddenly becomes no longer very important where you live uh, because you're working from home. And that was one of the things that I was hoping would get a foothold, uh, is that more remote work can be done with white collar work. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Well, and that's, yeah. Y'all got to uh, pay for these big expensive buildings to bring people into every right. day when it's the 21st century. And a lot of this can be done from people's homes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, ch- child care becomes maybe easier. Yeah. For you, you don't, there's less traffic, therefore there's well, less carbon emissions. The whole idea. Pollution. You can live in Madison, Wisconsin. You can live in Gary, Indiana, where you can afford to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the communities that we live in are important, and you want to live in a community that you feel safe in. There's a good school district there, you know, all, the, all that other shit um, that you think about when you are uh, trying to buy property. But, you know, just the fact that in some like entire ass states, people are like, "We, there's no house available for under three hundred thousand, and well, you can do what we did, which is be willing to live right in a in a uh, a bald patch in the middle of a giant cornfield, <laughs> right? <laughs> or Slow, a giant slowly field. build our house plank by plank. <laughs> Do they call McTav- call me McTavish the house builder? No. <laughs> Long form joke that I just remembered. We can we can spread the wealth around the country a little bit, and it all doesn't have to be concentrated in one area. Um, you know, like like in the Hamptons, where they're running out of wealthy people are running out of people to serve them. Yeah, because no one can fucking afford to live there anywhere right. near there. Yeah, and you know, I felt like. That was one of the things that That's I noticed what, about. That was the platform Jello Biafra ran yeah. for um, mayor of San Francisco on back in 1979. Well, that and also literally vacuuming the streets. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, just to say real quick about Orange County, like me living, I, I lived there for a short bit. And that's what I noticed is that you have like uh, essentially like these townships spread out around Orange County. And some of them are where... Uh, affluent people live. Some of them are where affluent people spend their money. And then some of them are where the serving class lives Mm -hmm. because not all of them live outside of orange County. You have some areas where like just the, the working class people who travel over to the more expensive area to work, you know what I mean? They're still living close by. A lot of affluent people, they're not going to live in like boroughs where, you know, there's, there's a lot of, no, Different d- diversity going on no, in that no, neighborhood. No. They're they're gonna live. They live like, in, in a castle on a hill. Basically, a township that you uh, it's gated. Where, yeah, and everybody is kind of like that. You but, um, are gonna have to drive far to go to where you want to spend your money. And also, you're going to have a lot of white supremacists running the local sheriffs uh, for oh, years, yeah, just to make sure that to. just to make sure even the seedy areas like Laguna Beach still say white at least. Hmm. Uh, that was, by the way, the issue with the Orange County fucking sheriffs from a lot long time from the 80s and 90s and what we still see from them today is now gangs uh fucking working their way into not only orange county but like la sheriffs uh yeah man seen with cops is fucking rough in southern california i'm sorry y'all if y'all live in socal um yeah y'all y'all are living in like the worst kind of police state I mean, Chicago got a bad too. New York got a bad don't get me wrong talk but, about like, some spooky fuck. halloween content we are bringing it Gangs Should of, we with the with the new skeleton in the yard with like kill patches and secret handshakes with a new skeleton in the yard? Should we just like uh, I don't know, make him a symbol of authority in some way, just to make it a little bit scarier? I don't want my house burned down while I'm away at Fair work. Enough. Okay, 
No, and also, I've got no beef with Taylor Police. I just want to make that clear. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I could say the same. I've I've never I've never heard about like bad stuff coming out of here. Look, we've we're both privy to um, Live PD, which was in Wilco, but most of those sheriffs were from Round Rock, Georgetown. Yeah, uh, th- those sense. were not those were not Taylor cops. Nope. Um, Taylor's got a pretty reasonable police force, just uh, based on my own experiences. Yo, that's uh, what I would say. I'll say it out there now. I'm from fucking Hobbs, New Mexico, and if you don't know anything about a police state in a small town, uh, shout out to uh, Jack from Trillbillies again. He is also from Hobbs, New Mexico. Hobbs, he, New he Mexico. Knows he knows what it's like. Yeah. The main economic industry is the local prison. Yeah, that and well, there's a casino now. Oh, nice. There's a slot casino, and there's always oil fields. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so all that all that dumb property shit. Um, I got another uh, quick thing to talk about, and not a whole lot, but uh, I just want to draw people's attention to um, in this age of uh, pandemic, which the U.S. just topped seven hundred thousand COVID deaths. Oh. Uh, that's i mean that's a city about right there you know rikers island uh the prison over there in new york uh they've been going through uh, tons of problems with this uh just like a quick stat on it the uh, department of corrections in the city has the lowest reported vaccination rate amongst all the city agencies with only about 48 percent of staff vaxxed and only about 41, 42% for detainees. Mm. And they're, they've been bringing in a steady flow of like new people. If you don't know how Rikers works, you can get caught on like a smaller charge, but they're not going to hold you in a smaller precinct jail. They're going to send you to Rikers. Little petty crimes that are committed by somebody who's 18. Mm -hmm. Um, And with this and the COVID pandemic, not only have they had a, a lot of like, kind of extensive isolation like they've had rampant outbreaks but at the same time they've had uh there have been delayed court dates where a lot of people who should have been gone to court and gotten out by now are still just in there and they're they're in areas where there's not many guards because guards are either sick or just calling in sick and so they've had a labor shortage uh and so there's it's been one thing after another with uh like how poorly Rikers is being ran. And you know what? It costs four hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars a year for one inmate. What? Yeah. That's like they they get so much fucking money and they're so fucking like horribly fucking ran, understaffed and everything. Where and the, the people fuck are fucking does the money people go? are fucking dying. There was a guy who just this year he was arrested in August and sent to uh, Rikers on a probation violation, even though his like or parole maybe one of the two. I get him mixed up. His shit ended in like June or July, but he got arrested in August, sent to Rikers. He died of COVID, mm. and more people have died since then. And that was just a couple of months ago. Uh, I don't know the number of people, but I want to say it's upwards of it's it's around fifty uh that that have died over the last year and a half at rikers and um i am sure that that is probably not an isolated story when when we talk about the prison industrial complex and in the states here i'm sure that is just not getting a lot of coverage just how bad a lot of these places are getting hit and especially places that are going to be privatized like fucking anything ran by Wackenhut. again i'm from new mexico i know about privatized prisons it's fucking hell it's horrible I, I didn't serve time in one. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... But you know yeah, people I've, that did. I've known people that did, and I've known guards. Like, my, my mother was in privatized prison. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. So, uh, really, really fucking sad cases, and, like, something that at this point... Yeah, I don't know. You tell me what to do, because literally my instinct is to fucking blow a hole in the wall and set these motherfuckers free, because there's absolutely no way that they are receiving humane treatment. I think we there's can, absolutely no way that society is doing them good by holding them, them in there. I think we can all agree that, um, serving time should, should for one thing, not be a death sentence. And it's long been something that really fucking bothered me is that people like to make rape jokes about prison. Right. It's, Oh, it's, it's funny, right? It's yeah. funny to, to, uh, well, you shouldn't have done the crime if you weren't willing to, to, uh, uh, take the be anally raped in the showers oh. right 
Um, <laughs> I was trying to make a fun rhyme out of it. And <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. But you hit the nail on the head. With the prevalence of bloodborne disease that comes with mm. uh, rape, you're so much more likely to contract, you know, like a fatal hepatitis mm-hmm. that shuts down your organs. Not to mention what it's like in a, a closed environment like this when it comes to substance abuse. Right. Uh, yeah. And now we're looking at, you know, a COVID, a potential COVID death sentence, especially with the Delta variant going around and whatever's going to be next after that. Anybody could find themselves like it could be your kid. It could be you. Yeah. If I was a defense attorney. I would just at some point I would just throw up my hands and be like, I, I, I fucking can't. I fucking can't with this anymore. Yeah. The amount of corruption, the limited resources, me being one of them. The amount of fucking, um. Yeah, apathy and just kind of like fucking agent, just like cities shrugging it off. Uh, yeah. I mean, the legal system is another example of our crumbling infrastructure. Oh, yeah. In this endgame capitalist society. Yeah, exactly. not uh here tonight uh but i want to uh we're gonna take a stab at um going out on a a fairly fun note here um yeah i'm so sorry for that witch's cackle you guys hey we all know it's true um we're not going to do a piece on our speculative fiction picks uh because we need a little bit more time to like really kind of bring it to the table proper so i've got just a couple little future hacks these are not so much things that i advise people to do i guess is maybe just like kind of my guesses about what's going to naturally happen maybe yelp is rocks now that there's not an internet yelp is just going to be rocks and that's how we're gonna kind of like voice our uh societal input are rocks good or bad bad Oh. Is Yelp good or bad is the question. <laughs> so, yeah, it's basically just going to be people throwing rocks at each other and they'll maybe like write on the rock 
or give it like a thumb, write a thumbs up or a thumbs down, which is going to be tough because after it hits you with it, you don't know whether that's a thumbs up or a thumbs down because you don't know how they oriented the rock. But you can guess that if they hit you in the head with it, it's probably a thumbs down. Yeah. And the future currency is going to be bottle caps like in Fallout. Speaking of things I've learned from Fallout, if the future is going to be cool at all, we're going to need some stronger lasers. Like lasers that we have now, they're fun. We we play with our cats. We do science experiments and everything. But we don't have like hard lasers you know, like a hard laser. Like one that pierces flesh? Like, yeah, like a hard laser. Mm, okay. Yeah, so we're going to have to work on really up in that uh, photon game and uh, getting some getting some really serious, dangerous fucking lasers going on. Uh, ideally, handheld ones. Yeah, no, totally. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about the um, Havana Syndrome, <clears throat> which came up again recently for some reason. Right. Uh, no, that would be not photons, but microwaves. Okay, right, right. Theoretically, uh, microwaves are disrupting people. That was getting everybody ill. Um, headaches, uh, hypersensitivity, disorientation, stomach aches. Uh, it, it sounded to me almost like this kind of like super vague uneasiness where you have maladies about you mm. that could be from anything. Yeah. You're like, is it something I ate? Well, no, because it's been happening for days now. Yeah, it was suggested that this is probably more likely to be a um, a, a psychogenic okay. uh, illness, which is... Which is, A, my uh, third favorite industrial band. And also going to be the topic of an upcoming show where we explore psychogenic symptoms and mass hysteria. Cool. Um, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I know. I know you've been uh, uh, you've been wanting to get into that, and I am looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, um, one last future hack for you here, and let's everyone think about this one on a lot of levels. Island time. Mm-hmm. Fucking island time, man. Explain to me what island time is. Okay, so first off, you're going to have to a find an island. I think that strategically. Being on a good size island is probably good for you. There's going to be a lot of things that can't traverse the ocean and get to you, so you kind of like got you got a nice barrier there uh, to be isolated, for one thing. So long as you can have a little bit of farm, catch a little bit of fresh water, like fucking bam, you're set, you're solid. Yeah, uh, and then destroy the bridge behind you. Here's the other aspect of it. Think about island time more loosely, like whenever you Airbnb a place in Galveston and it's got a bunch of beach shit all over the walls. Mm -hmm. Island time. The idea that like, uh, oh yeah, we're just like, we, we, we drove for a minute and a half over a bridge off of the mainland technically to this island and now it's a whole different life in Galveston. We're all island time. It's like, fuck you. No, you're not. Now you can have any excuse you want to be kind of lazy or have your own hours or whatever calling you out galveston you're fun but you're also you're problematic uh but the idea of island time when society collapses you're gonna have time and you know what don't fucking freak about it because it's all island time man right you know what i mean find yourself an island be be an island no man is an island until you reach the apocalypse and then every man is an island know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah uh, so find yourself an island and fucking rethink your, your concept of time and just fucking grow a little bit of food, catch a little bit of rain. Uh, but I would also like to say that for all you doomsday preppers, um, with your, with your buckets. You and your buckets. I, I think community is going to be super important, mm -hmm. uh, after the collapse of society. Hey, who's gonna, who's gonna dig you out from all those buckets that fell over on you because you stacked them too high? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You ever think about that? Make friends with your neighbors. Yeah. Don't contemplate eating them. Yeah. They'll pull those buckets off of you, and then y'all can all share 20 pounds of fajitas or whatever. Enchiladas, it was. Enchiladas was Rick Baker's. They had a... They had not a, Rick Baker. Uh, Jim Baker. Jim Baker's bucket. That's what we did on the last episode, is I did a... I cut... Part of his Vic Burger super cut. Oh, cool. And for a moment, he's talking about Mexican food and they're showing enchiladas. There's rice and cheese and broccoli sauce and they're using a shovel to stir it up. A shovel. Oh, my God. Because it's in a kiddie pool or something. I don't know. Well, so obviously, Jim Baker is thinking. He's very, he is community minded. He's 
Because you're not going to eat that bucket of broccoli soup by yourself. Well, alone in your bomb shelter. No, you will because all that food is meant to last twenty years. Here's the thing: he's the he's the kind of guy that expects you to have a family of ten people. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, your wife, and your eight fucking Be children. Be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, because that's what the future is going to need. So that's why you want twenty years uh, shelf stable food because it's it's you. You're the new fucking Noah. You and your your fucking shack. You're you're the new ark. Yeah. Imagine lactating for 12 years straight. You're going to need a lot of broccoli and cheese soup for that. Because <laughs> dairy works by transitive properties. We know this. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, did you did you enjoy our weekend revelry uh, as opposed to our like Sober Sunday uh, news show? Is there a difference to you? Can you spot it? Did you spot all five differences? Circle the differences and send your results to we're trying show at gmail.com. You can contribute to our substance abuse. We're like <laughs> a pair of Nico avocados over here. Brett, Joe does not get that reference, but. Uh, no, I do. We were talking about it last night. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, that was sad. That was a really sad thing. <laughs> all we need is a little positive feedback. Please don't turn us into Nico avocados. <laughs> but you can. You have the power to do that. Would you, you do. prefer? Would you prefer we do this at night and drink? Yeah. Or uh, have coffee in the morning and be a little bit more coherent. So anyway, we got a Patreon. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, obviously some quick house cleaning. I'm willing to throw some feet pictures out there, but I got to tell you guys, it's not pretty. Your feet are beautiful. Babe. Don't be like that. Yeah, uh, we got to give some shout outs real quick. Thanks to uh, KBSR for having us on the network. Uh, thanks to uh, Trev Ryan and the Mental Safe Fair for the use of that theme song, Dying in Texas. And thanks to Alex Cuervo of Spectre Static for a lot of the things you're probably going to hear when you're listening to it on the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of the shit, check us out live on the radio Sunday and Monday nights at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Cowboy time, I call it. And uh, we're- Island time. Uh, fucking island time. We're going for it. 9 p.m. island time. And um, we're followed up by the JoJo Bone Show a lot of times on Mondays. I think on Sunday it goes to like the the late night play mix. But there's 24 fucking hours of programming. There's tons of shit on KBSR. Check it out all the time. Check out the Patreon. Do all the stuff. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Jen? Stay fresh, cheese bags. Yeah. Sit down,